Episode 80, Now and Again. Well, hello, and welcome to Two Geeks, Two Beers with me, Tom and my fellow fan of uh, random nostalgic junk. It's Morgan. That's me, hello. Um, so this next episode is a bit of a random one. Um, I feel like the majority of our episodes are kind of focused on something or other where, you know, there'll definitely be fans of it, you know. But, <laughs> but, um, and, you know, it's likely to get a decent amount of downloads in its lifetime. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. However... <laughs> <laughs> with this, with, with this one, I was, I was thinking, I was like, is this going to be the episode that finally... <laughs> breaks is it breaks the record or like yeah. dip, dips under the very low bar set by Ulysses 31 <laughs> which I which which I love but which which listeners is our least downloaded episode yeah. of all time yeah it's a bit of an indulgent one this one um because it, it's based on a tv show which only had one season it's quite a long time ago now and it's oh, not classic. one that I, I, d- I doubt it's one that most people will remember um, so it's kind of making it, as you say, it's, it's more of like a, a test to see if it will be our most, you know, at least downloaded, downloaded episode ever. But, you know, I hope I'm proved wrong. Um, maybe it's a surprisingly popular show. And it, I think it might be considering what I found out during the making of this, this episode. So it might be wrong. So we are talking about <laughs> now and again, which yeah. sounds, sounds like a daytime nineties American soap. Well, I, I au contraire. There, there was also like a soapy uh, '90s or mid '90s yeah. dra- US drama called Once and Again, and yeah. now this, this this is not that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I'll start with um, my memories of this show. Right. We'll get onto the plot and what it's all about in a minute. But um, for me, now and again, um, it was shown on Channel Four, I think, in the UK in the early right. '90s. Um, but but really, really late at night. It's like 2 a.m. Yeah. on Friday. So I think it was like, um, it was it was part of a triple bill of short-lived American series uh, where clearly Channel 4 had bought the rights, um, but they had no idea what to do with them. I reckon they sort of bought Friends or whatever, and, yeah. they, and the, the company were like, or whatever was on CBS at the time, and they were yeah. like, oh, do you want these for free? You can only have this and air this if you, if you air these as well. You have to take these, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, okay, um, just chuck them on at two AM in the middle of the night. No one will watch it, um, but I did watch it. It, it was aired. It was aired alongside Off Center, which oh. was the, the, the sitcom from the American Pie writers, which starred Finch from American Pie, John Cho, and Sean McGuire, alongside Jason George as a rapper called Stat Quo. Now, um, now, now, are we? It's the only reason we are doing this episode <laughs> so that you could worm, worm it around, worm it around, and work out a reason so you could talk about off center. Because yeah, a little bit. Yeah, well, Mr. The, Mr. Tom, Tom is obsessed with this show, <laughs> Off Center. Which now that is a show that no one else has ever heard of. See, and Off yet, Center ran for two seasons, I think. Um, you know that did go, and you know had some great, great cast. And I actually interviewed Jason George once and talked to him about Off Center, and he he loved it. He loved talking about it. Of course, um, he did. 
he, he was like picking up his kids from school. He was just walking new, around New York or whatever. And he's like, oh, I can't believe you're bringing up Off Center. Ah, oh, it's a great show. Still, still meet up with John all the time. And Sean was like, oh, this is brilliant. I'm living my dream. Jason, um, Jason, Jason George there of Texas. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's just my go-to American accent. Oh, Jason George of Alabama. Uh, <laughs> I just think it's immoral, that's all. You should tell these girls that you're sleeping with both of them. You're being very GOP about this, Mike. You know, in enlightened European cultures, love triangles are an accepted part of life. Yes, and so is gonorrhea. Um, so it, it was it was aired alongside Off Center, as well as the sitcom Opposite Sex, which starred uh, Milo Ventimiglia and Chris Evans in a young role um, as young teens who are the only boys in an all-girls school. So, um, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> sorry, that sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, Alison Matt was in it pre pre all that. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, a really great show. I, I think that only ran for like eight episodes and got cancelled. But um, you know, I, I watched all three of these shows back to back every week for like six to eight weeks and, and loved it. This is outrageous. I mean, this is totally outrageous. How can they not tell us that this is the first year they accepted the boys? I mean, I think that we have a right to know this stuff before we get here. <laughs> Dude, we did know. What? Yeah, of course we knew. Everyone knew. Here, check this out. Evergreen has been in all-girls school for 104 years. It's only been co-ed for like half an hour. You're right, my grandmother, my mom, all my sisters, all went here when it was all girls. You're like an Evergreen legacy. How do you think I got in? I mean, my middle school grades weren't exactly... Good? Well, definitely not good. I was gonna say passing. Ooh. There, there was something about shows that were on late that they were a bit of a naughty treat. And I'm not just yeah. talking about the sort of Channel 5 naughty treats that were on late at night. Yeah, yeah. So there, was something, there was something about these cult shows that were on so late, you felt like you discovered something, a little yeah. gem. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, this one of the three was my favourite. So what is your memories of Now and Again? Again, we'll get onto the plot in a minute, but what was your memory? All right, so, so foggy, because I, I also watched it in the early hours. I was probably half asleep when I watched it. Um, in the in the early noughties, so I I, I I more remember vague concepts. Um, so I, I may well be getting ahead of you, but it's, it's John Goodman, yeah, and he falls in front of a train, yeah, and then he dies. Except only his body dies. The brain, the brain of John Goodman <laughs> survives. Yeah, yeah, and so and so someone I don't know, some scientists or something, they save the brain of John Goodman and yeah. they put it they put it into the body of like. A super soldier, uh, yeah. played by Eric Close, who looks like Max Payne, and <laughs> th- he does though. He looks like Max Payne. Yeah, yeah. Should have played Max Payne, not not Mark Wahlberg. So anyway, uh, John Goodman's brain gets put into the genetically engineered body of Eric Close, um, yeah. and 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 the only other thing I really remember about it, oh, and, oh, and so so John Goodman, who is now Eric Close, can't tell his family that he survived. I think he's got yeah. like a wife and a daughter, but it's tragic. He can't tell them he survived. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the only other thing I really remember about it is that there's like an opening narration um, <laughs> to, to, to the show. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, which outline, are you going to get onto this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, so, so, so I'll leave it there. But that's, that's mostly what I remember about now and again. Okay, so uh, the show was created by... Um, uh, Glenn Gordon Caron, who was most famous for creating and running uh, Moonlighting back in the day, and that's and that's, it, that, that's one guy, not three people. Glenn yeah. Gordon Caron, <laughs> like attorneys or something. <laughs> like, Glenn Gordon Caron, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, whatever it's called. I was I was getting that wrong. Um, uh, so yeah, created by Caron. Uh, it aired from I September. Just Caron. 
Or Glenn Gordon. <laughs> Just Karen, not Gordon. Right. Or Glenn. Yeah. Uh, it aired from September 24th, 1999 until May 5th, 2000 on CBS. Uh, so only one season. Uh, the story revolves around uh, the US government engineering the perfect human body for use in espionage, uh, but not being able to perfect the brain. Um, it does sound like a Carl Pilkerton uh, plot. And in fact, I'm pretty sure Carl Pilkerton came up with the exact same plot of this without realising yeah. it already existed. But also, um, but, also, but also, if you were Eric Close, the actor who played, they'd be like, yeah. right, we're looking for someone to, to portray the perfect yeah. human form, like yeah. the, the ultimate man. And he's like, yeah, I'll go up for that. I think I'll, think I'll nail it. I'm Eric Close. I'm the perfect human. I'm the perfect human specimen. Uh, in an attempt to get the project up and running, they take the brain, and it says what it says here. I haven't written this. The brain of overweight family man Michael Wiseman, who was killed in a train accident. So yeah, yeah. Michael Wiseman played by John Goodman, which is quite a coup, really. Um, it, it is, obviously, it is. he he went on to be even a bigger star, didn't he? He's already huge because of Roseanne and stuff. But then he he started doing films like around this sort of time. No, he did Big Lebowski ages ago, didn't he? I'm talking nonsense. But you know what I mean? He, he, you know, he I became mean, like proper, proper, like proper actor in the, in the movie. <laughs> but also John Goodman had already been in the Flintstones, so I don't know what you're talking about. His, <laughs> his, his, his career had already peaked. Uh, I'm um, talking nonsense. But, but, uh, but no, no, it was a coup to get John Goodman. But then again, I don't think John Goodman's actually in it that much, is he? Because he's in like a couple no. of scenes and then he falls in front of a train and becomes yeah. the perfect human specimen, Eric Close. Yeah. yeah. And then Eric Close, even though it's meant to be John Goodman... Um, behaves nothing like John Goodman um, did, in, you know. But anyway, given a new life, Michael is kept in an apartment where he is trained by government experts led by Dr. Theodore Morris, played by, which we'll go on to in a minute, Dennis Haysbert of 24 fame. And so, um, you might not even remember this, but did he have did he have any say in this? You, oh, no, no, no. In fact, there's one line where Dennis Haysbert goes, I think you think that you have a say in this. Um, so okay. he has to just kind of go along with it. So, um he trains John Goodman's brain um, in the art of espionage. Uh, despite his new life and new abilities, oh yeah, he sort of gets new abilities, I think, somehow, don't worry about it. Uh, Michael longs to return to his wife, Lisa, and daughter, Heather, who are themselves discovering that not all is as it seems with Michael's death. So throughout the, sh- in the season, they kind of start hearing things about it. Something's dodgy, something's happened. We don't quite yeah. know what, but yeah. And, and is, it, is, it, is it addressed how uh, John Goodman's wife would feel about her husband's brain now being in the, the body of Eric Close, because you think she'd be happy because he's the perfect human specimen. But yeah. then it's not it's it's not the guy she fell in love with. No. So... And I don't I don't think she finds out at all. Because Eric Close purposely visits them and gets himself involved in their life without telling them what it is, even though he shouldn't really do that. Dennis Haysbert's not happy with it, but he does it anyway. Um but I don't I might be wrong, but I don't think she finds out. because uh, I watched the most of the final episode the other day and it didn't look like she knew <laughs> again, again, again fantastic levels of research on this podcast come I on mo- I, 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 watched- I didn't have time to watch all 22 episodes of now and again I watched most of the final episode uh, so, so he stayed away from his family so he was he was no no he, he was very much with his family all the time he just doesn't tell her that who he really is you know what I mean so he, oh okay yeah no so he, he hung out with her he found reasons to sort of um, break the rules but not really by hanging out with them and stuff and he even snogs her in the final episode, but she doesn't know um, it's uh, actually John Goodman in there. So I assume if they carried on, she would have found out eventually. But um, his best friend, John Goodman's best mate, I think does know. He finds out and he helps you, him and all that kind of stuff. You always have to have the best friend who knows the secret. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like Goodnight Sweetheart. That is a, so, that is a, 
classic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he finds out and he's sort of trying to help him throughout the, throughout the series. Um, so the show is kind of like a big mix of uh, like Six Million Dollar Man, uh, a bit of 24 before 24 was even a thing, uh, a bit of Alias before Alias was even a thing, a bit of Person of Interest before Person of Interest was a thing. So if anything, I'd say it was way, it was before its time in many respects. Um, and I, again, we'll get on to why I think it's it's underrated. But um, yeah, just a mix of everything, which at the time was relatively new. Uh, so let's go through the cast. So as we say, Eric Eric Close plays Michael Wiseman, an insurance executive who was killed in an accident. His brain has been implanted into a genetically engineered body. Uh, John Goodman <laughs> plays Michael. No matter how many times you say it, it's still funny. It's yeah. Still funny. So Eric Close, the most chiselled man of all time. Um, yeah. You know, he was he was uh, younger than us at the time of filming. He was, ah! about, he was uh, 32 when he filmed this. Yeah. Um, you, best you, known, get, uh, you get those every so often, don't you, where it's like, oh, um, George Lazenby was 29 when he filmed oh, yeah. the oh, Secret Service. Or... Say the thing that you tweeted me the other day. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I saw on Twitter, I sent you, there was... Um, uh, it, it was a, a, a montage of the the cast of Cheers and how old they were when the when the show started. And uh, w- which was the one that really got you? The one well, that got there was, me was... There, was, there was three. So Kelsey yeah. Grammer was 27 and he was like a proper man with a proper job and he was proper. He's 27. He looks <laughs> fucking old. And then you, and then you got uh, Norm, who's my age or our age now, 34. Yeah. Norm. And then yeah. Cliff. Who's got like grey hair and he's like the oldest man alive and he's 35. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but look at it this way. We're as old as Cliff and we look fucking great. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Because on one hand, I'm like, I've achieved nothing. But on the other hand, it's like, I'm well... Not... <laughs> but on the other hand, it's like, why do they look so old? Why do they look so old and haggard? I've, I've achieved nothing. Why can't I be at the level of Cliff from Cheers? Who is, in... who is famously like a bum. No, but like the actor. But like... Uh, how how is Kelsey Grammer only like was was the character of Frasier only twenty seven? Yeah, I think so. Because he was like a proper professional doctor who'd like achieved everything in life. I'm like, how are you twenty seven? You can be a doctor at twenty seven. Nah. Just, just nah, done that. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Like, anyway, believe, I've not done it, so I don't believe it's even it's even possible. But you know uh. the one that the one that got me the other day. I fell into a sort of a Wikipedia hole and I found out that in uh, in a study in Scarlet, Sherlock Holmes is 32. He's younger. I'm older than Sherlock Holmes. He's the, he's the greatest detective that ever lived. But I've always imagined, even with more recent versions of Sherlock, I, I, yeah. I always thought, I always figured Sherlock Holmes was, yeah, 50. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. that's a... No dear. But he's but he, no, he was he was thirty two and the greatest detective that ever ever lived. I'll never be the greatest detective that ever lived, Tom. Well, also thirty two, Eric Close. Uh best known for playing FBI agent Martin Fitzgerald in Without a Trace mm. and Teddy Conrad in Nashville. Um but I'd say best known for this, because this is the thing I I, I know about. Um uh Dr. Theodore Morris, played by Dennis Haysbert, the head of the top secret government project. Uh this was two years before twenty four was a huge success. Mm. And it was also the same year he was in the 13th floor, which we should also do an episode on because it's bloody brilliant. I don't even know what that is. Um, but, <laughs> but, it, but it was after his guest appearance in Buck Rogers in the 25th century. It was, it was. Mm. Uh, Lisa Wiseman, uh, Michael's wife, played by Margaret... I thought it was Margaret Colin, but then when I was watching something the other day, I think they said Colleen, like Broline. So I'm not... I'm not... <laughs> I've been burnt once before on that, so uh, yeah. Colleen, yeah. Colleen. I'll go. I'll go for Colin just because it's easier to say. I'm pro- probably not right. Um, 
Michael's housewife widow, it says here, who must learn to move on with life after her husband's death. She's probably best known for playing Jeff Goldblum's ex-wife in Independence Day, um, yeah. about three years before this. Uh, Heather Wiseman, the daughter, played by Heather Matarazzo, and Roger Bender, his mate, played by Garrett Graham. Expanding a little bit on the plot then, so Michael Wiseman um, lives in, in suburban New York with his wife Lisa and daughter Heather, uh, and works as an executive at an insurance company. When passed over for a promotion, Michael and his mate Roger go out drinking after work. <laughs> Sorry, so, so so far, he's like, his wife is called Lisa and he's passed over a promo- for a promotion. This just sounds like the plot of The Room. But, um, <laughs> okay. and, and, and what happens next also sounds like something that Tommy Wiseau would come up with. Yeah, it is, they, yeah. They take, they take my brain and put it in perfect human specimen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, while standing uh, on the subway platform heading home that night, Michael is accidentally knocked off the platform directly into the path of an oncoming train. Now, I'll play the clip now. It might not translate to audio, in which case I'll I'll skip it, but you have to see it. Um, and I don't think it was meant to be as comical as it is for quite a harrowing scene, which it really is. So here, here we go. Look, are you going to be okay to go home? Oh, I got to be okay. I got to be okay for the team. Thanks for the company, old buddy. I'll see you in the morning, okay, Mike? Give me a head, bud. See you in the morning. Yeah. You don't even touch her, man. You don't like girls? I don't think he likes girls. What are you looking at me for? I'm a boy. What are you like, boys? Look, man, she was fat and ugly, all right? She was $50, man. So I'm I'm keeping I'm keeping that reaction I'm keeping that reaction in because that was amazing. So what you couldn't see there. I'll put. I'll try and remember to put a link to um, that bit on the uh, website because what you couldn't see there was um, there was a few youths that came into the subway and they they pushed one of them. One f- uh, falls into another person, into another person, into another person, and then it like falls into John Goodman. Yeah. yeah, and John Goodman gets knocked into the path of the train, and then yeah. they do this weird CGI uh, effects where he just sort of goes flying slowly, like Superman, into the camera with his his, his mouth wide open. <laughs> There's a slow mo shot of the train sort of like bops him, and then he's he just you see him like floating in extreme slow mo, like no, oh. uh, very funny. No, I don't know if it was meant to be funny or what. I don't. Um, I don't but... think. I, I, really, really, as we'll, as we'll get onto with the whole series, really offbeat choice of soundtrack as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Trust me, I'm going to wax lyrical about that when we get onto it. Uh, so when he awakes, he sees Dr. Theodore Morris the head of a top-secret government project to artificially yeah. engineer the perfect human body. Is it explained why why John Goodman's brain? Why, why they... Um, let's say yes. I okay. didn't watch too much of it. Um, <laughs> I, I did originally, just not not now. To you know, It was a good 20 years ago. Um, I, I just wonder, like, were they just waiting for any old brain? It might. I think it might have been a case of, yeah, someone had to die around that sort of time and in certain circumstances and, yeah. Yeah. But they might have gone into that as well later on if it carried on going. There might have been a reason why he was chosen. Who knows? He might have been killed on purpose. 
Unable to create a brain from scratch, Dr. Morris has rescued Michael's brain from his dead body and implanted it into the engineered body. The process allows Michael Wiseman to continue to live, but also forces him to work as an experiment for Dr. Morris and occasionally help fight terrorists. Um, Occasionally. occasionally. Yeah. So here's the bit he wakes up and meets Dennis Haysbert for the first time. Hey, see those eyes opening? How you doing? How do you feel? It's okay. Don't feel you have to say anything. You got a lot to absorb, I understand. First and foremost, let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Theodore Morris. Where am I? You're in a hospital, receiving the finest medical care that money can buy, courtesy of your Uncle Sam, I might add. (laughs) Which reminds me, before I forget, let me be the first to tell you, you had a beautiful funeral, Mr. Wiseman. I did? Absolutely, day before yesterday. I certainly hope when it's my time to go that my loved ones send me off in a spectacular fashion. Help me. I don't understand. Is this a hallucination? How can I be in the hospital if I already had my funeral? Am I alive? Am I dead? What am I? Well, right now what you are is a middle-aged brain hooked up to some extremely sophisticated computers that let me hear what you think you're saying. The United States government, our government, has since the conclusion of World War II spent billions of dollars researching all sorts of biochemical and bioengineering techniques in the hopes of one day actually being able to build a man, an American man. A man who could do those things mere mortal American men are loath to do. Travel in dangerous places, take risks, wage war. Excuse me, I'm thirsty. Could you maybe give me a glass of- You, sir have an opportunity to be the beneficiary of all that money and all that research. You see, we're at the point in our work where we need, but we got everything pretty well figured out except the mind thing. Can't lick the mind thing. I mean, we're all ready to go except for that. I mean, ready to try anyway. Build a man with the speed of Michael Jordan, the strength of Superman, and the grace of Fred Astaire. A guy who's going to look good, be young, be omnipotent. Wow, huh? You just can't lick the mind thing. So, so the writer of that episode was so proud of the phrase, lick the mind thing, that he uh, <laughs> inserted it not once but twice. So, if Dennis Haysbert, who, who's fantastic there, has to be said, if he's, yeah. delivering, if he's delivering his spectacular monologue to John Goodman's brain, yeah, uh, which is just his brain on wires. How can he see? He says he says he's got no 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 throat. It's just no body. Don't worry about it. It's that's right. <laughs> that's that that's that, that one solid. Um, so because of the top secret nature of the project, Michael is told he may never have contact again with his wife or daughter under penalty of his own death and the death of anyone he tells of his existence. Despite the threat, Michael finds ways to contact his family while keeping his true identity a secret. So over the course of the series, uh, Morris continues to experiment on Michael, testing the limits of his abilities and strength. Uh, Michael is occasionally used to complete secret missions or foil criminal activity. Uh, Lisa and Heather find themselves running out of money because the insurance company refuses to pay on Michael's policy, leading Lisa to become uh, an estate agent. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was going somewhere really different. Where I was like, she's uh, desperate. She's desperate for money. What's she going to do? She's going to sink to real debt. She's going to become 
an estate, an estate agent. agent. No. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the show's intriguing intro, which, um, to be honest, I don't think it helped with its uh, lack of success. Um, so, you know, you think I'll be there for you, you know, friends, you know, you think of, uh, cheers. You mentioned earlier, mm. everybody Can't knows your name. Fun. Didn't, didn't quite do it for now and again, in my, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. People are out of opinions, aren't they? Uh, are they? I can't remember anymore. Um, so firstly, in later episodes, um, it would also show this fantastic intro, which you sort of mentioned earlier mm. before the theme tune, um, explaining the bizarre, plot of the show uh, with the um, earnest narration by the brilliant actor Charles Durning, who's he's popped up in, in all sorts of things. Um, but we'll get on to the, uh, the theme tune in a minute, but let's, let's start with this, um, this the, the great intro that you remember so well. An ordinary man, insurance executive, 45 years old, stumbles to his death on a subway platform in New York City. Or does he? Unbeknownst to his wife or child, his brain is rescued from the accident scene by a secret branch of the United States government and put into the body of an artificially produced 26-year-old man who has the strength of Superman, the speed of Michael Jordan, and the grace of Fred Astaire. The only catch, under penalty of death, he can never let anyone from his past know he is still alive. And that, my friends, is a problem. For this man is desperately in love with his wife, his daughter, and his former life. Charles Durning there, sounding like he's either got a gun to his head or he's just on the run. I, I, don't, I, don't know. I, love, I love, I love the uh, the kind of the urgent nature of that. Yeah, like, like he did it. Like they're like, like Charles, we got one, we got one shot of this, right? Yeah, got, he's, he's running to work. Or something. Yeah, it's, it's almost yeah. lunch, and he's like, oh. uh, uh, his brain was uh, saved from the the platform, and it was put into our body. Also, why is why? What do you mean? What do you mean the genetically engineered body is twenty six? What? What does that even mean? How can it be 26 years old? Um, yeah. uh, and and uh, the, the speed of Michael Jordan, the strength of Superman, and the uh, the grace of Fred Astaire, which was the bit that I always remembered. Because yeah. that, that, always, that always struck me as odd. They're like, right, going to build the perfect human body. What, what are the qualities you want it to have? This right, a- anything's, anything's up for grabs, guys. Well, I suppose we want it to, have, to be strong, as strong as Superman. Okay. Uh, yeah, and we want it to, to be fast as fast as like the greatest human athlete, one of the greatest human athletes of all time, Michael Jordan. What else? Graceful, I think. Graceful. On top of that, speed and strength. I want him, I want him to be graceful. Who, who was the most graceful human being who ever lived? Fred Astaire. The, com- the comic timing of Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's all, that's all oh, that was yeah. missing. That's all that's uh, missing. And the charm of Roger Moore. Like, why stop? Why stop there? Why just keep going? Keep going. <laughs> and the penis of Nadabur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, while they tackle various different baddies throughout the season, the main antagonist is this evil terrorist known as the Eggman. <laughs> He's um, who, who uses eggs to contain a deadly poisonous gas. What? Yeah, I don't remember any of this, but I watched little bits of it and I was like, huh? There's no point us going on about the Eggman. There's no point. But, <laughs> yeah. But saying Sorry. that, saying there's, that, the, uh, there's, no, there's no point us going on about the Eggman. But I do want to show you um, the beginning episode, the very first clip of the episode. So before all the stuff we saw earlier of John Goodman, this is how the show starts. So it involves. Uh, the Eggman killing a load of people on a subway train. Um, so just, just 
just picture. Imagine the, the scene where you there's this new show that's airing on CBS, mm. and you don't know really anything about it, and you tune in, um, and this is what greets you. I don't think this helps. <laughs> reactions of Morgan there so what you couldn't see is uh it's a subway train in Tokyo and there's a little kid laughing and then eggs fall on the ground smashes and then everyone on the subway car including the kid blood comes out of their eyes and nose and they they all die and it gets it gets worse than that but that's a really harrowing first scene Horrific. and then it's like and then it's like now and again jokey jokey and it's like all right like pick a pick a, a way you know pick, pick a, a mood. yeah, yeah. So in the finale, uh, the Eggman breaks out of prison. Uh, Margaret finds out that her husband wasn't dead after he was hit by the train. She doesn't know about Eric Close and all right. that, but she does know that, and attempts to confront Dennis Haysburg before Eric Close stops her. Um, and it does end on something of a cliffhanger. So here is how the, um, the first season and only season ended. <laughs> Can't believe it was the only season. I'll need the food. You get the door. Okay. Lisa, go grab Heather, they're right behind me. Oh. Men with guns, move, move! Come on, out the back door. Come on! Find a scent, find a trail, find them. Find them and destroy them. Well, that's... <laughs> yeah, so essentially Eric Close, had, um, he'd sort of, he, he, before that scene, I probably should have told you that bit, um, before, before that, he, uh, he, he was like, he, he beat up Dennis Hayes, but he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I've fucked this, I've had enough, I'm going to rescue my family, and then, then that happened. So it ended like that. And so um, see, season two would have been a very different show with him now... Outside, run, of the I age. guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah so we didn't get to see what happened next. It could have been quite an exciting season two that followed on from that finale, which was called, by the way, "The Egg Man Cometh." <laughs> see what they did there? Yeah. Uh, um, so let's uh, let's get on to this musical intro. We've been talking about it too long. Let's get on to it. So, <laughs> um, so the intro itself, mm. it has like animation of uh, i had to look this up i didn't i don't just know this it's the vitruvian man um and other da vinci style anatomical drawings. that's that's the is it is it panorama yeah the one where he's at least he's got his arms and legs open and pa- panorama man yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the one yeah um, one of the worst superheroes of all time um, 
but but it's yes, yeah, it's, it's a load of drawings like that, which don't really represent what the show is about that much. And then no cast pictures or anything, just sort of it's like a, it's it felt like a bit of a low budget intro in that regard, and something that I don't know just seemed a bit I don't know just a bit unofficial. And then with it was this R and B slow jam called "Give Me a Sign" by um, Ariel Ryder, which is like a decent song. It's a good but, song. But nothing to do with the style of the show whatsoever. And it sounds yeah. like it sounds like it was supposed to be like the theme to like a Fresh Prince spin-off starring Tatiana Ali. And they sort of accident- <laughs> accidentally do you know what I mean? And it, it got accidentally got placed on top of this. That's, and it just went that, with it. That's so specific. Yeah. But also but also so perfectly correct. I know. Yeah. And it's like it's it but it also it sounds dated for nineteen ninety-nine. Like it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like a, a song which would have sounded good in nineteen ninety. But by '99, it's about. It's like that's oh, a bit old school, isn't it? And then on a sh- on the show like this, it just doesn't really. <laughs> yeah, they were, doesn't like, really work. They, were like, they were like, right, we've got this this sci-fi thriller where we take John Goodman's brain and put it into the perfect yeah. human specimen body of Eric Close. Some sort of up-tempo instrumental number. No, let's go with "Give Me a Sign." <laughs> but it turns out, um, I read about it. Uh, it was on purpose, and they they wrote the song for the show. It was it was it wasn't like they took a song that already existed. It was meant for it. So anyway, um, I'll show you this now. There's sort of two versions. I didn't really, like in mid-show they sort of slightly changed it. So let's hear both now. I know you can't wait for this. That's the first one, and mm-hmm. then the second. The second one is pretty much the same, but with added like, oh yeah. Yeah, so I I definitely yeah. remember the I definitely remember the first version. I like yeah. that they listen they listen to that and they go, it's good. Needs more needs more uh and yeah. <laughs> but weirdly though, what makes it worse was that now and again was nominated for an Emmy in two thousand for outstanding main title design. I I don't think what? I think no I think I think you're being unfair. I think the title design itself is okay. It's it, okay, but it doesn't have any like it doesn't have anything to do with the show. It just seems a bit. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 visually quite impressive on its own merit. I think I you're ju- I, I think you're judging it harshly because of the theme song. Yeah, which is, yeah. Which, do- which doesn't fit those visuals. No. Doesn't fit. Doesn't fit the tone of the show. Doesn't no. fit the era in which it was produced. No. I don't I, think I, it helped. I sort of love it and I hate it all at once. Yeah. Every single thing you've said about this show, you've said, I don't think it helped. To be honest, I think I, I think this may have played a part in it being cancelled. It's, it's so almost there, this show. But again, I'll get onto that towards the end. So, uh, thankfully, though, in 2014, CBS released now and again the DVD edition, 
the five disc set featured all 22 episodes two featurettes and a nearly two hour long retrospective documentary and these include interviews and full participation from almost all of the cast and crew apart from john goodman so amazing I, now I, I actually i made i made an effort and i watched the whole yeah. thing yeah because i've been i've been going in on you for not 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 doing your research and you yeah. you tom tom actually messaged me to say <laughs> Say I don't do my research. I'm watching a two-hour two-hour documentary about fucking now and again. All right, so back off. Yeah, I should I should say that now. Not only can you watch this documentary on YouTube, but every single episode of Now and Again is on YouTube. So you know, don't have to worry about forking out for any kind of streaming fuck, service. Fuck that five disc set. Fuck it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, just little tidbits from from said documentary that I now, now, you, don't, you don't even have to watch the documentary on on YouTube. No. Tell, you, tell you all the yeah. best bits. So. So Karen said that he made a return to TV after a decade away um, after a TV executive essentially gave him what he called an obscene amount of money to write any pilot he liked. And that if the pilot was rejected, he'd still be paid, but no one would know about it. So he might as well do it for a laugh. But in the end, they were like, well, we're paying you this money, so we might as well make it. And, and they just sort of did. Um, Thanks a lot. It's, it was inspired by a film called Damn Yankees, which was a 1955 musical film itself based on a Faust legend uh, where a middle-aged estate agent gets a deal with the devil to change into a young man who plays for the Yankees, but he soon discovers that he misses his life with his kids and his wife um, that he no longer has. Uh, so Karen wanted to make a mix of romance with sci-fi and spy drama, uh, which some might say is a bit too much, maybe. <laughs> so, some, some might say. Um, it aired on. He said it aired on Friday nights on nine pm at nine pm after Candid Camera, which he said was not a great slot. <laughs> um, it wasn't. He said it wasn't a star vehicle. You know, it had John Goodman in it, but it didn't really have anyone you know massive leading the cast. There wasn't much to sell it on. Um, but you know, he was just grateful that it was on the air and they had fun. <laughs> just, ha- just, just happy they made it. Yeah, because um, he did similar thing with Moonlighting. Like Bruce Willis was was an unknown at the time, so you know yeah, he was hoping. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little bit different. Moonlighting became like an inter- an international yeah. phenomenon. Now and yeah. again, not not so much. Now he he claimed, or at least Eric Close claimed, that three thousand actors had gone for the part of Michael before Eric Close got the part. Now. Uh, it's a weird one there at close because facially, you know, he's chiselled. He's 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 very attractive, you know. But he's he's not the like he's not the biggest man. He's not like he's quite um slender. He's quite like skinny. Obviously, I'd kill to have his body. But um, what I'm saying you, is he's not. You would, you would you would die to have his body. You throw oh, him in front, in front I, of the train. I would absolutely. I I'd, I'd, I'd yeah, absolutely. But what I'm saying is is he's not like well Bruce Willis. He's not like. The, if they were going to make the perfect man, I wouldn't say it was necessarily Eric Close in 1999. Maybe Eric Close now, but um, yeah. But who, how, how dare I say that with this porch that I've got <laughs> through lockdown and everything. Um, and also, uh, Dennis Haysbert was not the original choice. Now, they didn't really explain who was, but still, it, this is a little bit of them explaining that little bit, which I think is quite interesting. Luckily, we found Dennis, but he was not the original play, and Dennis was somebody I remember Les being quite excited about. I had somebody in mind, I won't mention his name, uh, but, I, but I felt very, very strongly he was the right guy for the part. And Les said, no. And I had not had that experience. Um, you know, I was the guy who found Bruce Willis. I, you know, I just hadn't had that experience. And I was like, I was a little, 
And he said, no, I want you to find somebody else, find somebody else. As I recall, I think he, he wanted a, a, a different actor, and CBS wanted me. We got on the same, you know, same uh, track really quickly. I did uh, bring something to it that I didn't think that anybody thought I was going to bring to it. I'm Dr. Theodore Morris. I work for the United States government. I was wondering if I could ask you some questions. I read the script and I said, oh my God. I said, the first, you know, six minutes of this is me. And I look at this character and, and he's got so much going on. I mean, he's got the, the, the comedy, the, the, the serious science part, um, the humanity, the inhumanity. Yeah, we were talking about the, um, the if you had the perfect human specimen, uh, yeah. the, the qualities that, that they would have. I think one of them would be the voice of Dennis yeah. Haysbert. Yeah. Just yeah. The great, one of the greatest voices of all time. I remember I, I had a, a, a round table interview with Dennis Haysbert once. Do you remember he did some sort of British drama Undeco once? Un undercover. Yeah, and he came over and it was in a hotel room and um, it, it's just the presence. His presence was just, and, you know, massive 24 fan. And I just mm. I just felt, and I think it was one of my first round tables. I hadn't done many at the time and I was just quite nervous. And then I, I, was, I wish I had him, if I had him on, on my own, I definitely would have asked about now and again. I definitely would have. Uh, Probably a good idea that I didn't bring it up in a round table. It'd be quite embarrassing. Um, who do you think the other actor was? That's the thing. Like, uh, 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 why, why? Just tell us. Why, why are you being so secretive about it? Like, it doesn't matter now, does it? It's, it's because that actor doesn't want to watch this documentary here and go, I can't believe I missed out on now and again. I could have been <laughs> Dr. Theodore Morris, damn it. <laughs> it's Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future all over again. All over again. Um... So Karen assumed it would come back for a second season. You know, it was it was it was critically well received. It did all right. Um, it had a decent fan base, but the ratings weren't that good. Um, and because of that, you know, he did a cliffhanger on purpose as he hoped it would be enough for CBS to go, all right, you've done all right. You've ended it like that. Let's find out what happens next at the very least. But nope. Um, <laughs> yeah, apparently CBS were even sent eggs as a threat to, from fans to say, to say, put it back on the air. I love, I, love, I love that. I love that. I was heartbroken and mildly relieved. It, it, it's an extraordinary juggling act, mixing all those genres together and figuring out. I mean, that was one of the things Les did say to me over and over. How are you going to keep this family show and this spy show and this science fiction? How are you going to? And I would say to him, don't worry, I can do it. I didn't have an answer. I just, don't worry, I can do it. It was exhausting. How do these things coexist? We all know how to make a spy show, we all know how to make a family show, and we all know how to make a science fiction show. But to put them in the same container and have them have some kind of veracity, some sense of realism and ache and, and all that stuff, that was the hard thing. So there was also, I won't lie to you, a little part of me that went, okay, okay, they're, they're taking me out of my misery. I don't have to do that, that figure that out. I remember being creatively exhausted when it was over, just going, you know, what's wrong with you? Why do you have to pick such hard stuff? You know, kind of doing that thing to myself. You're always hopeful. I mean, I think our numbers were, they weren't great, but they weren't poor. We're kind of right there in the middle. And that happens to a lot of shows. But uh, I think we felt as though we had enough of a following. There was an audience, people were, they dug this show, and I think had it hung around a little while longer, I think 
we would have been around for a while. We've done several seasons. Um, and up until the end, I think we all were, I remember thinking, I, I have a pretty good feeling that we're probably gonna go another year. You know, it was heartbreaking. It's definitely um, a sad day because we all <clears throat> really loved each other. We, had, we were having such a great time making that show. And, uh, you know, we all were, you know, hoping to, to be together for a long time. As I recall, I don't think we really said goodbye because we just knew we were coming back. We knew we had a, you know, a great show. I was just totally shocked to hear that we weren't coming back. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I said, this, it, it, didn't, it didn't make sense to me. Sad. It's quite sad. Forget, give me yeah. a sign. Give me a second season. Yeah. And you think of the shows that have gone on and shouldn't have done. And, and then shows like this, you think, well, you should have at least tried a second season. I understand why Opposite Sex didn't get a second season, but come on. <laughs> like, if Off Center can get a second season, then, you know, this deserves a second season. Um, so, look, I know I've been sounding like I've been slagging it off this entire show, show but the actual plot and the cast and the idea of it was great and i think it did deserve more time and, and energy behind it yeah we've you know we've we've gone in a bit on now and again but we wouldn't have done an episode on no. it if we both weren't a little bit obsessed with it we do kind of love yeah. it despite its flaws yeah but i think it was just before its time so i feel like it was made if it was made a few years later like mid noughties i think it would have fit right at home you know in like the era of you know uh, binge watching and box sets um you know like when 24 and Lost and all those sort of shows were huge, I feel like this would have felt right in that place. And I think they would have made it slightly differently. I think they would have tackled it in a different way. It wouldn't have, because it's still got that sort of 90s soapy Ali McBeal style stuff that didn't really, because Ali McBeal was right on the cast, but that was like, mm. it didn't, if, if Ali McBeal was made six years later, I think it would have looked a lot glossier, but it's still got that 90s style of like cameras yeah. and stuff. And it just didn't quite look right. So you're right. I'm just laughing because I never thought we'd be discussing Ali McBeal on this podcast. <laughs> well, I love Ali McBeal, but Ali McBeal, if you watch it back now, it's it's quite dated in a way yeah. that shows of its ilk a few years later aren't dated. It's just that yeah. weird little cusp of... That's why The West Wing and The Sopranos just about get away with it because it was like it's, on the cusp. It, it's literally 2000, yeah. 2001, isn't it, where, yeah. where things yeah. have to change. Yeah, Because I think the budget in TV just suddenly grew because they realised, oh, you're actually good, aren't you? Oh, TV's great. So the budget sort of um, totally lifted in the early noughties. Um, so I feel like this just, it was just a little bit before its, before its time. Uh, but I, I honestly don't think the show's title helped. I don't think Now and Again really explains anything. What does it mean? Um, is it I, don't it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, 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 I guess because yeah. he was like, he was John Goodman and now he's Eric Close. So it's like. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It just doesn't. Now and again. You know, like, you know, like person of interest. Great. Yeah. It is a good title, 24, whatever. But like this, it's just, yeah, it just sounds like a soap to me. It just doesn't sound like what it is. No. Um, so I feel like a lot of people wouldn't have had a clue what it was about. Um, the, the the intro, we've already talked about that. The music just doesn't fit. You know, it doesn't have that hook to it. And and I think it just suffered from poor marketing. Um, and yeah, I feel like it was so close. And I feel like they, it was Eric close. <laughs> it was Eric close. Um <laughs> But I feel like if they'd just given it another season, maybe they would have ironed out a few of the errors um, and it would have become even more of the cult hit than it is. Because, you know, sometimes it just takes maybe one or two seasons and then it becomes this cult thing, like Supernatural, and it la lasts for, like, 22 seasons. Like, stupid. 
don't, don't be ridiculous. Supernatural has only run for, for 15 seasons. Oh, all right. Just the 15. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I do sometimes feel like this podcast loses so much by being audio only because something that the, the listeners will never know, or they will now, know now, is how when you were talking about ironing out the floors, you did a little... <laughs> did I? didn't even notice. Oh. Tom, Tom did a little ironing gesture for me, which I really appreciated. <laughs> but that um, that is that is it of uh looking back at oh, now and again um, um, I, thoughts now well i always have a good time doing this podcast otherwise i wouldn't have done it for five years <laughs> for, for for no real benefit to myself no, or, or no. to you um but i don't think i've laughed as much for a very <laughs> long time um what, just what, lockdown. yeah no i've gone mad uh no what, what glorious i love it i like the, the one thing I was, you know, I know we've poked fun at it and said that, you know, maybe it was trying to juggle too much. And even um, Karen himself there, he was saying, you know, what, what, you know, almost like, what was I thinking? Why did I fuse yeah. all these genres? But the fact that he did Moonlighting, which is one of the most innovative, yeah, famously yeah. one of the most dramatically, dramatically innovative shows of all time. And then he did Now and Again. Uh, he was not someone who lacked ambition. And this was not a show that lacked ambition. It didn't, it, I don't think it always got everything right. But it always had the ambition and the scope, and it had brilliant performances. Um, I, I think you're right. I think it was slightly ahead of its time. It was it was so nearly there. Um, but I enjoyed watching it then, and I've enjoyed <laughs> watching it now again and again. Yeah. Um, well, Karen did have success later on. He he also did um, Medium, the British Rocket series. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that. That ran for seven seasons, so he had a lot more success with that. Um, a few years later um, so that's it well thanks very much for joining us on this little adventure um, if you've never seen or heard about Now and Again before which is poss- quite quite possible uh, hopefully you still enjoyed this and uh, as I say it's all on YouTube so you know if we've remotely made it sound as as much as as interesting as, as we loved it at the time then yeah go and check it out it is, is a lot of fun uh, so if you want to check out all our previous episodes you can go to twogeeks2beers.com and you can download or stream or subscribe whichever way you prefer and we're also in all of the uh, platforms where you can get your podcasts whether that's uh, Apple Podcasts iTunes whatever it's called now uh, Spotify uh, is it Stitcher or Deezer I always get it mixed up Stitcher Stitcher Stitcher, uh, Podbean, all sorts on all those little platforms for you there. Yes, and many of our episodes, old and new, are now on uh, YouTube, so you can also find us there. Just search Two Geeks, Two Beers, and we're also across all the social channels uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, Two Geeks Cast on all of those, where uh, we'll post alerts when we release a new episode, and there'll also be you know, the odd bit of commentary here and there on all the latest geek news. And if you go to patreon.com and go to our Two Geeks cast page on there, um, you can um, become one of our treasured supporters and get exclusive goodies, um, exclusive episodes, and lots of things that you can't get anywhere else, including episodes before anyone else. We were trying to release them <laughs> a good week or so in advance. Um, so, yeah, go there, please. Yes. <laughs> And uh, you can. Oh, we're so good at this. So slick. You can. You can. You can also email us uh, podcast at two geeks two beers dot com uh, and send us thoughts, feedback, suggestions for future episodes. Uh, if you have no idea what now and again is, let us know. If you're a huge fan of now and again and feel like we've besmirched the show's reputation uh, throughout this episode, 
also please let us know we're just happy to hear from people especially at the moment it's just nice to make human contact <laughs> so um to play us out i mean there's only one thing really isn't it can't really do anything else um we i did have a look just a minute ago to see did dennis haysbert ever do any music did eric close ever have an album out um not that i can I, see i believe both of those things though i believe both of yeah. those things are possible yeah um so instead uh, let's hear it one more time shall we let's hear the the full length although i probably will cut it short uh, theme <laughs> tune, uh to now and again give me a sign so enjoy this uh and see you soon the speed of michael jordan the strength of superman the grace of fred astaire and the voice of michael buble <laughs> If you're creating the ultimate man, mm. uh, what other qualities do you reckon? So we've got we've got quite a few already. Mm. Uh, you could have the butt cheeks, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the mighty beard of Jason Momoa. <laughs> the cooking ability of Gordon Ramsay, Chef Ramsay. <laughs> uh, uh, the comforting presence of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the musical prowess of Hugh Jackman. Or just, just, we could just go and Hugh Jackman. <laughs> just, just Hugh Jackman, the perfect yeah. human specimen. Yeah, he's got, got it ready. He's got it all. It's Hugh Jackman, isn't it? Oh, okay, right, cool, sorted. Done.